You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network World Series. We are going to the world. It's happening. The World Series. The Philadelphia Phillies. I'm going to get the World Series. They're in the World Series. Seamus, they're in the World Series. Paul Hedrick, Seamus Clancy, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Um, please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm just overjoyed by what we saw over this weekend and what we've been seeing over the past couple weeks. The Philadelphia Phillies beat the Padres in five games. Bryce Harper with perhaps the greatest home run in Philly's postseason history. It's not even the fact that it's not even crazy to say that, that we all witnessed that you literally witnessed it. I was just there. I, I was there in spirit. Uh, yeah. enjoying it from the yeah. confines of my couch. Uh, well, not on my couch because I clearly was not sitting um, in that moment, but I, I, I will start with you were there game five. Take me through the day, your emotions. Take me through all of it, man. Sure. The Bryce home run specifically. So they were up 2-1 to go down 3-2, right? And that's in the seventh inning. And I still – it wasn't the usual Eagles fourth quarter, oh, they always lose this game on on pins and needles. I want to jump off the the top level type stuff. Because I still had this belief in this offense and this team. And saying team of destiny gets thrown around all the time and it's fun and it's like bullshit. But truly feels like those vibes in the sense that I had – the utmost confidence in the world that someone was going to come up and hit this big shot and put them in the lead and close this thing out in South Philadelphia. And Bryce is up there. He's working the count. He keeps failing it off, failing it off. And every single person in that stadium is thinking the same thing. He is looking for one to launch into the stands. And then he hits it. Everyone's going nuts. I didn't even react until the ball a hundred percent went into the stands. Everyone's screaming. and I'm just kind of sitting there standing there, right? No one is sitting in that place. I barely sat all day <laughs> and we're standing there. And then as soon as it goes in there, everyone just freaking out, tears streaming down my face. It was just unfreaking believable, man. Party then Jetro a lot after I didn't even go to Broad Street. I was pretty white. So I went home after that, but it was popping some champagne out there. A lot of dancing on my own playing vibes were amazing. Amazing. Um, I not quite as exciting here at the Hudrick household. Um, Cause listen, there's a baby here and he's still like, you know, needs stuff. Um, my fiance is the greatest. She took a, she took one for the team. He was in need of dinner. He's eating solid foods now. And we were really pushing it by watching the game. She took him out. I was, I was sitting there literally in the living room by my literally dancing on my own in the living room. Um, <laughs> as I'm watching it, it, you say that mo- I can't lie. I got, I did have that. I am going to go jump off the Walt Whitman uh, moment yeah. when they gave up the lead just because like 
I just got so mad because it was especially the rain. when you score on a wild pitch. I'm right. like, are you and the rain, kidding me? Like they couldn't just pause the frigging game. Like, come on, there are literally puddles on the field. Um, and Sir Anthony has been lights out. He's been ridiculously good in the postseason. It was very clear he was having a lot of trouble gripping the baseball and throwing it for strikes. Like it wasn't like something that that like we were imagining. It was happening. Um, and then, of course, clears up in the bottom of the inning. And it's like, all right, is this really what's going to happen here? Um, but no, when he hit it, I I think what I I think I screamed, he got it because I just you just saw it. Like I will say that when it's Suarez, who would listen, Suarez was great this year for the Padres, great in the postseason. But to end your season without going to Josh Hader. Thank you, Padres, for not doing that. Um, because when he started fouling pitches, pitches off, that's it. Well, I'll say actually, it started when Rumuto hit the single, right? He hits the leadoff single, and I'm like, all right, this could happen. It's With setting Bryce up coming, for the, yeah. this not Cinderella story, but I guess because they're the wild card team, but it's setting up this picturesque uh, series finale of a television show, final act of a movie type vibe and that's exactly what freaking happens it, it's insane and the fact that he apparently goes to real muto and says let's get them what did he say let's give them something to remember yeah it, i was like i said i wrote that it reminded me in friday night lights of tim riggins like let's touch god tonight My, let's touch god tonight boys that, that uh, was the type of energy i got from that oh and of course and of course it, it harkens back to ryan howard just get me to the play boys let's, i mean it's, yes it's oh, just those god. vibes like it's for him to just have that like you know what I mean? Like that just shows you how great this guy is and how like superhuman he is. Like t- that you can be in that moment, that pressure packed moment of knowing how close you are to get into the World Series in such a big spot, and that you could turn to your teammate and say, "Let's let's give him something special." Like it's just wild. Um, and then the celebration I loved. I thought it was perfect because it was like. It was appropriate, not over the like. It was just very like, yeah, like I did that. Like it was just, and it felt it just all of it was just the whole moment could not have been like you said. It was out of a movie. It was per. It was the Friday Night Lights writers would have probably rejected and said, no, this is too over the top. Like it was that friggin' perfect of a moment. It was unbelievable. It's so um, much better that it was him too. It oh, wasn't a role. Play- it's it's great when a role player steps out when you have that Matt Stairs moment, or even someone like Reese Hoskins, who's this. Kind of been this fringe star, hated, beloved, going back and forth like that. But to be the guy who signed the 13-year, $330 million contract, the guy that is hated by 31 different, or I should say 29 different fan bases in this league, other than Philadelphia, for him to come there after not really ever advancing beyond the division series in Washington, for him to do that cemented himself as a Philadelphia legend, and I'm saying this on the tier of like an Allen Iverson, of a Jimmy Rollins, stuff like that to me. I think that cements him there. He is immortal in the lore of Philadelphia sports now. You know, Dan Gelson of the AP yeah. who does an awesome job. He raised a really good a really good question. Is Bryce Harper the greatest free agent signing in Philadelphia sports history? The only person, the only one you could say rivals it, and it's not because it's not, it's not even technically a free agent, is, is Dr. J. That's the only one that would rival it. So um, the, here's was my take. I had to, I talked to Mike Lynch, who's the research director. That's not his correct title for, for sports reference, basketball reference, pro football reference, whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I think he is the greatest basketball historian in the entire world in terms of just American basketball hoops, whatever. 
so knowledgeable, LaSalle guy, Philly guy, sports reference based in Philly. So I know him a little bit. So I messaged him because of that. Moses Malone, we have to look back at the the nature of the CBA and transactions in the NBA in 1982. It's a gray area because Moses was technically a free agent signing, but because of the rules at the time, the Sixers had to trade something for him. So they trade Caldwell Jones for Moses Malone. So it's a free, it is free agent signing, but it's not. Like a and, sign and trade kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and then the comparison, he was like, LeBron, we consider that a free agent signing to Miami, but technically that was a sign and trade. So it's a little grayer yeah. with that. But for a pure free agent signing, it has to be. I don't think there's anything. I mean, Nick Foles is a free agent signing, but that's also a weird territory because they drafted him in originally. Yeah. He doesn't come back here if he wasn't drafted here to begin with. And it's an afterthought, right? Like, they signed Nick Foles. No one, no, yeah, like the like, entire I, city wasn't light, lit up because they signed with respect to Nick Foles, who we all love dearly. Um, it wasn't quite the fanfare for the as... big money signing for the ones that have flamed out in Philadelphia, yes. the ones that have gone well and didn't produce uh championship appearances or championships, period, might be Bryce now. And I think we're inching towards a situation where in a year or two we might be marking our calendars for Bryce to eventually be in Cooperstown with the Phillies hat on. That would be something. I think it's gonna happen. That would be something. I because I... he's he's bridging not just the regular season, the postseason. I was writing an article yeah. for Philly Voice this week. Looked it up. For this specific postseason, Bryce has the fourth highest OPS for any given postseason in baseball history. And I had to do a, an at-bat minimum, so it's it's different. It's, it's basically guys in the LCS era and and, below, and, a, and since then, so like 1969 on, because if back when we just won the pennant and made the World Series, you're not going to have the requisite 40 or so at-bats or playing right. appearances to get there. But it's 2002 Barry Bonds, 2004 Clarice Beltran, and 1979 Willie Stargell, and then Bryce Harper. And that's above guys like oh, okay, names in there. Pool Holes, Cabrera, Big Poppy, A-Rod, Griffey, above all of those guys. And some of the most memorable postseason runs ever, Bryce is doing it even bigger than them. I it's I remember that Carlos Beltran run, man. And that's yeah, the, that, it, that it, and Bonds is the best I've ever seen in baseball. Yeah. Obviously, they're top two for a reason, but... Beltran, that postseason was unbelievable. It, it earned him a, a very large contract as well, because you remember he was a free agent right after that. He, he goes joined, to the, the Mets. Yeah, joined, joined the, the Astros midseason and just – that was an unbelievable run. Um, but And I do think that's, that's the key here is not only – like it's it's – Clearly, as he's gotten here in the regular season, he has he's well earned his money. He's been an MVP, like he's he's earned that money. Now to do it in the postseason, and and it it's it's baseball history for sure. And then I just like the Phillies had one of the golden eras of baseball and, and their organization when when it was you know Jimmy Ronald, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, those guys, and he's doing something those guys didn't do. You know what I mean? Like that's how incredible it is. And I the only other home run. I can think of obviously is the Mets there's that's the yeah. only thing that's even on par. And it's just, it, it's, it's just all this is to me evoking all those memories, right? Like it just, it feels so good to like have that feeling again. Um, vividly remember when Matt stairs hit that home run and celebrating <laughs> that and a great call by Joe Buck credit to Joe Davis for Fox. I thought his call was perfect on Bryce's. If you hadn't heard that F- fantastic, um, Franski's call, of course, Bedlam in, at the bank. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, that's. I like so Joe Davis more. And that's on the distance. They're both very good. a legend. I like the Joe Davis one a little bit more. Okay. No, the Joe the Joe Davis one was great, just the whole context. Because it is, it's the whole context. Like, this is yeah. a guy who was 
considered the LeBron James of baseball. And here he is having this moment, without a doubt, the biggest moment of his career, right? I rem- like, yeah, I, re- I remember being, and I guess he's a similar age to me. I remember being in high school and coming home from school one day and checking the mail. And there's a Sports Illustrated there with him on the cover as a catcher. And now we're 15 or so years later. And now he's in Philadelphia and he just hit probably the biggest home run in Philly's history. Oh, man. We're like I said, the, a podcast or two ago, somehow we ended up in the perfect timeline. Truly. Truly. I, I it's it, I love and we've talked about this before, too, is I love the fun. These guys are having so much fun. And I love every like I almost want them to celebrate after every win. I want them to pop bottles because they just have so much damn fun. And I love to like. Uh, the post game, uh, Zach Eflin talked and um, Alec Bohm talked, and I love, and then Bryce Harper too as well at the trophy ceremony. Part of it's immaturity, sure, I-, I can see that, but part of it is like just the human aspect of it. I love it when dudes curse in moments because yeah, it's just sure. they're being them, right? Like they're not censoring themselves; they are just being them. Bryce saying, "We're gonna bring that shit home." Um, Eflin, if you didn't hear it, said. You know, John Clark asked him, what is your message to Philly fans? He said, let's fucking go. Like, I love that. Like, because it's genuine. And then Alec Bohm, the best, looks in the camera, points at it and says, I love this place. Like, are you kidding me? Like, just so perfect. So poetic. Um, Everything about this season has been. And now it's to the point at at the beginning of the postseason, um, they beat the Cardinals. uh, They beat the Braves. The belly aching from people complaining about the baseball, the playoff oh format my God. was burning me up. Now I love it. Like your morning, tears are morning, delicious. Morning Joe, come on the podcast challenge. <laughs> like your tears are sustaining me. You, like you need a diaper change in the worst way. And it is hilarious to me. Uh, you know, it's, one- it's perfect that people are complaining to Philadelphia and it just only makes the city stronger and gives the fan base more venom. It's like they're they're yes. doing the exact opposite. What they're like, it's it sounds stupid or just fucking insane, but I wish uh, San Diego people hated the Phillies more. I, I just don't think that happened. I think and I get it. It's just the nature <laughs> it wasn't of long enough. Yeah, it just and wasn't long enough. And it's San Diego. If you lose besides those freaks doing like. Bryce is on the loop. <laughs> Bryce is going to lose. Manny is a good, whatever the fuck that the crazy thing was. I wish they hated us more because that that's part of the fun. Like that well, was listen, that, that's the magic of Minnesota and the NFC Championship game, right? Like all that type. Of yes, thing. you've been to San Diego. I mean, listen, it's it's the nicest city. You can't have world. you can't have a bad day in San it's Diego. The I, mean, city I get in the world. it. I get yeah. why they're like that. Um, I I don't I totally get it. Um, beautiful place, beautiful beautiful. But I, I someone raised a good point. I'll. Uh, our our good friend Sixers Adam uh, raised an excellent point when we were at the game the other night. Um, He said, if anything, the Phillies getting to this point shows you that that playoff spot is worthwhile to have. If a team is good enough to advance and beat three very good teams that were better than them in the regular season, it proves that that wildcard spot is legitimate. It, right? It's it's bullshit because after they fired Girardi from like June on, they had the third best record in, right. the, in, in the majors and the reigning MVP missed 63 games. That wild card spot is designed to have a team that has a huge change in their team, maybe had some injuries to really keep players. But those are the type of players 
that Major League Baseball should be happy is in the postseason. They should be happy of Bryce Harper's here doing these playoff heroics, putting baseball in the Mac and bringing some energy and pizzazz to a sport that is suffering. And let's and that and that's the other thing. Like, let's look at the Phillies roster. They have the reigning, like you said, the reigning MVP, one of the a generational talent of the sport. They have the best catcher in Major League Baseball. They have Kyle Schwarber, who led the National League in home runs. Reese Hoskins was over 30 home runs this year. Uh, you know, Alec Bohm was a top prospect in baseball. Nick Castellanos is a meme. <laughs> <laughs> former all-star Nick Castellanos. Um, yeah. Gene Segura. Gene Segura is a former all-star. It's not like they have a bunch of slouches on this team. They are a talented, talented team that struggled out of the gate that clearly needed a change at the managerial position. They did that. They went on a run. And even as they as they struggled down the stretch um, this year, you know, the Sir Anthony Dominguez injury killed them, right? Yeah. Like, that, that, that was huge. And then when he came back, he still wasn't right. It took the postseason for him to kind of get back in the swing of things. Jose Alvarado was literally one of the worst pitchers in baseball in the first half. And he was literally one of, if not the best left-handed pitcher in baseball in the second half. Like, this isn't some, where did these guys come from? Now, don't get me wrong. I had my doubts about this baseball team many, many times. I mean, listen to the first couple of podcasts we did. Exactly. We were just like, I don't even feel like talking about the fucking Phillies right now. Like, stuff like that. But it's, and that, to me, that's more of a result of 162 games. We knew they were getting in, right? Like, we knew they were going to get the playoff spot. We knew it was happening. So we were kind of like, it wasn't. It wasn't we that we disliked this team. It was just we were just kind of apathetic to a very long baseball season and the fact that the Eagles were playing so well and the Sixers were about to start. Like we, it was like a we hate that we care, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like we, we almost didn't want to invest so much because we didn't want to be like, all right, they lost to the, the Nationals. This sucks, and like we didn't yeah. want to get too over or under with that. So yeah, uh, but World Series, World Series, the Houston Astros. Um, that's just a thing. just a juggernaut of a freaking team they're running into. Yes, very true. But at the same time, there are people who are, oh, the Phillies don't deserve to be here, yada, yada, yada. So you're going to root for a team that cheated to win a World Series. But whatever. That's totally besides the point. Um, if, you look at the betting mar- if you look at the betting markets, they absolutely are giving the Phillies a chance to win this World Series. They're like, well, sure. not, they're like plus 160 to win the World Series. They are Ronald Acuna rolling around in the grass for a half hour. And blowing a four-run lead against the Padres away from being undefeated in the postseason. Like, they've been, in a lot of ways, they've been dominant in the postseason, especially at home. Um, they, they're undefeated at home, and they just are mashing at home and playing great baseball. They're two starters. I'm, I put them up against any two starters in baseball, including the Astros. Two very good starters. One is a surefire first ballot. First ballot guy. Lock. Um so and they're listen the, the the Astros bullpen is historically great, and of course I'm very concerned about that. But the Phillies bullpen has really put it together as of late. Them winning that game, where barely Falter doesn't get out of the first inning, says a lot about the bullpen. It says a lot about the makeup of this team. Uh, Hector, our old friend Hector Neris, we'll see him. Uh, are you worried about the Dusty Baker revenge factor here? The last game. The Houston Astros loss this season was on Monday, October 3rd, the day the Phillies beat them to clinch a playoff berth. They have not lost a game since. They beat Mm -hmm. the Phillies next two days, and they have yet to lose a playoff game. They are 7-0 in the playoffs. 
there are some 2001 shut, shutting a lot of sin vibes a yep. lot of shutting a lot of sin vibes and that, us i mean the team and so i'm not saying i got you um but i there's a little bit of a sixers lakers vibe here of because you remember the lakers did not lose a game in the western conference and of course now in irishson the step the, the step over we all remember it vividly yeah um, so there's a little bit of that hopefully the ending is a lot better uh but i also think that just you know contextually like that this Phillies team is a much more talented team across the board than perhaps that Sixers team was with all due respect to guys like Aaron McKee and George Lynch and Eric Snow. Um, a much more talented, a much healthier team too. The Sixers were very banged up going into that series, but how are you, how are you feeling? How are we feeling about the Houston Astros? As you mentioned, an absolute juggernaut, uh, Jordan Alvarez, uh, for my money, one of the best left-handed hitters in all of baseball. I love watching that guy play. Oh. Not going to love it um, coming up, but. Yeah, he seems like a guy that if you're looking at the old school baseball scouting grade scale, you know, the 20 to 80 scale, he seems like an 80 power guy. Yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. And he's and he's disciplined. He's and, and they, you know, they got Bregman. Um, they have Tucker, who's a hell of a center fielder, hit 30 bombs this year, too. They they are a oh, Altuve who's come up with plenty of big hits um, throughout his career. It's. It is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous lineup. But I feel good about Zach Wheel and Aaron Nolan. And actually, I'm going to end it on this note, at least for our Phillies discussion. This is the last thing I'll say about it. Rob Thompson, my goodness. I think he, it was. Do you think he's going to win manager of the year? Probably not because it didn't take out. No, nah, they're not going to take into it. Probably kid, not. Yeah. But um, I don't know who wins it. I can't really think off the top of my head who gets it in this case. I mean, I, th- I would think he gets some votes for sure. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, he, he's definitely going to get some votes. Um, I don't know if Boone maybe gets it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, everyone's criteria. I feel like the criteria changes every year. Some years, it's the guy who took the team out of nowhere. Some, some years, it's the guy who's just a really good manager, made good decisions, and had the best record. It changes all the time. Um, Astros but, tied this this season. 19th most wins in a season in Beijing. So maybe, maybe it's like Dusty. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's Dusty. I don't know. Um, but well, definitely Rob, the American League. Yeah, I, I think it was. I can't remember which game it was after. I want to say game three, maybe. A Rod on the broadcast of the post game said that Rob Thompson was on a managerial heater, and like, yes, he really is. Because and think about that game three, how brilliant that was. He pulls Suarez at sixty eight pitches. I I didn't like it. I, no, I, I'm I just being not. honest. I did, I did not. not care for it. I was like this. And because not only was he only at 68 pitches, the Padres shouldn't have scored any runs off of him. They, they, the Phillies really bungled the, the ball in the field. And it was really brutal. Those couple innings, Reese Hoskins just misplaying a routine ground ball, cigar dropping a double play ball. So they shouldn't have scored any runs. They really weren't getting hard contact off of them. I get the heart of the lineup was up. I get, you know, you had a really tough righty and Machado with the plate, but I, I didn't like the move. And then, you know, you really use your bullets there going with Alvarado and Sir Anthony. They get the job done. And Eflin as well. Um, they all pitched great and, and got the job done. But it's fair to wonder if he lets Suarez go. First of all, you don't know that Suarez would have gotten out of it. Maybe maybe he pulled him at the exact right time. The other factor yeah. is he used Suarez to close game five. And Suarez gets two outs on two pitches. Like, that's... That's next. That's 40 chess stuff, man. Like that's yeah. wild to pull that out of your cap and, and to take Suarez out for 68 pitches. And then knowing in the back of your mind, ah, 
Ranger Suarez closed a lot of games for us last season. No reason why I can't bring him in to do it in a big spot in game five if Robertson struggles. Lo and freaking behold, that's exactly what happens. What a world. What a time. And I, I texted my one uh, a buddy of mine who I, I hadn't talked to in a while. And um, that's why I feel like I'm talking to old friends I haven't really talked to in a while. Right. Just like bullshitting about this. It's unbelievable. That's, like, that's, that's the fun of it more so than. You know, Bryce hitting a home run is obviously is going to be a legendary thing people talk about forever. But those little moments, those connections, the communal aspect of a run like this is what sets sports apart for me. It makes it a trend. It transcends boundaries and transcends, you know, sports itself. And that's my I just texted my buddy and said, you know, what a time to be alive. Miss your pal. Like, it's just like, yeah, like, like and, you know, and of course, he knows exactly what I mean. Um, And then, yeah, another one of my buddies, you know, texted me the night of and like. I had two friends who I just religiously quote major league with whenever the Phillies are yeah, playing yeah. well, drop the, you know, these guys aren't too fucking bad. Like all the time. Um, we suck, you know, we're shitty again. Like it's just, you know, all oh, that no, stuff. we suck again. Yeah. Uh, all that good stuff. So it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. And this, this city with an undefeated football team, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of that after the break. Uh, we also want to talk some Sixers who kind of killed the vibes for a hot minute, but, um, when it gets Indiana, we're back. Uh, the Flyers a little bit up and down. We're going to touch on them too. Currently in a playoff spot. Yes. Uh, just just a tremendous start. John Tortorella, greatest coach in the NHL, obviously. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. We'll be right back with more after this. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. All right, we are back, and we've already touched on the Philadelphia Phillies, going to the World Series, all the immaculate vibes, such a fun baseball team to root for. The Philadelphia Eagles uh, off the bye week, 6-0, and don't want to spend a ton of time on them because we have really spent a lot of time on them, deservedly so. But uh, I think we want to leave the other teams some shine uh, on this edition. But briefly, do want to touch on the matchup Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a young Pittsburgh Steelers team that is showing some promise. Uh, I'm I like Kenny Pickett. I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. Um, Pickens is ridiculous. I love watching that dude. Um, the receiver from Georgia. Uh, Preview this matchup a little bit for me. What what are you seeing ahead of uh, Eagles Steelers on Sunday? This feels like a 2017 October November. The Eagles are murdering mediocre to bad teams. Win very easy, confident 34 13 shellacking. Ooh, I like, like it. Like it's not even close after a few minutes. I like them coming off the bye big time. Yes. Because and they have a couple couple guys banged up that should be hopefully able to get right. Uh, a week off to kind of, you know, there were, I, I think the last couple of weeks, and we talked about it before, some some of the little 
you know, holes and stuff have kind of been exposed with the team here and there. Um, but now they have an entire, you know, you have two weeks to iron that stuff out, come back. And, and I, I think there is a vibe of, I don't want to say they don't care that they're six and zero, but I think they like, they're looking, especially a guy like Jalen Hurts. I think he's looking at the six and zero does like six and zero doesn't mean shit. Like we, we, we need to win these games. We need to get the highest seed humanly possible. Um, and we need to make noise in the playoffs. Like this doesn't matter right now. Like we need to win this game this week. I think he's got a very good mindset for that. And I think the team does. And that's the beauty of, of kind of this mix of young, exciting players like Jalen hurts, um, you know, uh, like a Devonte Smith, even an AJ Brown still on the younger side, um, you know, defensively as well. Some, some of the younger players on that side of the ball, but then that mix of the veterans, a guy like Jason Kelsey, guys like Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, who have been there, been in these big moments and they just understand what it takes to win in the NFL and what a grind the league is and that they, you can't look ahead um, you can't look too far forward. So I think that nice mix is why I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I could see them really putting it to the Steelers this week um, in a big way, running it down their throat uh, and, and really, you know, confusing Kenny Pickett, putting pressure on him all day long. And, and I, I like the Eagles in a big win too. I, I, I 34, 13 feels pretty good. I could see I'd them like just to... being up 21-0 at half yeah, pretty, I... pretty easily and then just running it out. Maybe they get a defensive touchdown afterwards and bleed them out. Just to be different from you, I'm going to say 31-10. Right. That feels good to me. But, yeah, just it, I, I just uh, just the feeling of an uh, in-control game. Hurts kind of has a little bit of a bounce-back week. Um, you kind of saw what Tua was able to do against that defense. It is a pretty good defense, but Tua was able to have some success getting the ball out quickly and, and you know, doing their thing. So, yeah. I, I like the Eagles in a big way. Um, I, let's just move right on to the Sixers, I think, right? Uh, let's do it. One in three Philadelphia 76ers. Not quite the start they were looking for. And when you and I talked and we previewed the season, I said I was like half expecting an 0-2 start. I just yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Given playing the two best. The Bucks are banged up, clearly. Uh, but playing the best two teams in the conference – uh, just given all the new parts and everything, I didn't know that Joel Embiid had a plantar fasciitis and that he was not in optimal game shape. I didn't have that knowledge. If I had that knowledge, I would have flat out said, yeah, they're going to lose the first two games. Um, but you saw he looked just a step behind both of those games, and they are the two worst opponents for him to be compromised, for him not Correct. to be Correct. at 100%. The two worst opponents could go up against, especially the Celtics, who just are so good in help defense and, and just gave him problems all night long. And Brooke Lopez... Listen, Brooke Lopez is a hell of a post defender. He has been. He's really transformed his game in a big way over the kind of, in the kind of twilight of his career here. But he's never shut down Joel Embiid the way he did in the home opener, and I think that's a big part of it. And the Spurs loss was just, I mean, flat out they didn't show up. That's yeah. just there's no two ways about that. They had their kind of get well game against the Pacers. I'll tell you what, James Harden three out of four games has looked sensational. Like James um, Harden. Truly, like James Harden. Like the James Harden that we all thought that he would be. Um, clearly, that hamstring was not right. It was not right at any point last season. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that because the points that it was right were the points where he had long breaks. When he got COVID with the Nets, he came back, was great. Um, when he got traded here and took two weeks off, you know, during and, and took the All-Star break off, was great right out of the gate. So I think that's, you know, very clear indication that the um that the hamstring was was a really big issue. Um 
through four games, what are your I, – I think we will both agree Harden has been the biggest, most encouraging spot, sign, the brightest spot. What would you say is your biggest concern, considering they are one and three and they have a lot of things to work out? What are you looking at that's most concerned? I'll say big picture. Like, what is your big picture concern? The coach, right? And I don't think I don't think they would make a midseason change akin to the way the Phillies moved on for Girardi. I don't think Sam Cassell is Rob agree. Thompson in the middle of this season. I don't think they would do that. And still worry about the backup center position. It's forever going to be an issue. And you're going to have this cast of characters coming in and out, spinal tap drummer style. And I have liked some of the lineup stock used. I really like the with a different big between Paul or Trez, the Melton, Maxi, Harden, um, who else was out there? And Daniel House Tucker, Jr. Yeah, yeah. Daniel House Jr. I think that's a really good lineup that's going to work really well in the transition game. We're going to have a lot of shooting out there. And come the spring, come April, come May, and in the Sixers case, hopefully for, for June, that's the type of lineup that should always be out there if whenever the, you know, the, the 10, 15 minutes Joel isn't playing in a playoff game. Yeah. And they, they have to play fast, you know, when Joel isn't in there. So I think exactly. that's, to your, that's to your point too. Like, you know, because you know, those, guy... those centers are like, you know, more athletic and the, the, the springy style yes. than Joel is 100%. Um, especially Paul Reed. And I, I, yeah. And going house at the four, um, is a different funky look. And I think that makes them more switchable and a little bit more interesting. Niang was good last night. Um, overall, you know, you do. I mean, I, I, when they play a team like Boston or they play a team like Milwaukee, that's when you see George Niang's shortcomings, uh, unfortunately. Sure. And I think that's that's ultimately going to be in the playoffs. That's going to be. I'm very curious to see how Doc Rivers is going to handle that. If George struggles, will he go away from him? I get the sense, and maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part. I get the sense that. If things go south for a player in the playoff, like like a fringe rotation player in the playoffs, Doc will be much quicker to go to a different option than he has in the past because he, and he, he has said this, he believes he has 12 players that can give him NBA minutes on a given night. Yeah. So if it's the playoffs and your rotation is what, eight, nine guys? That gives you three or four more options you can go to if one of the other players struggles. So I think from that standpoint, I feel a little bit more confident that Doc might go away from a veteran um, that struggles. And and I think Paul Reed has earned a little bit more respect from Doc. Um, apparently not enough to play over Montrezl Harrell right now. Uh, we'll see how that goes as the season goes on. It, it's I'll say this, like, if you give Doc Rivers an opportunity to say, okay, it's a competition between Montrezl Harrell and Paul Reed, Doc Rivers wants Montrezl Harrell to win that competition. Like, yeah, for if, sure. If they're, if they're even remotely even, Doc's going Trez. That's his guy. That's what he's going to do. I, I, It's such a long way away, and it's it, unfortunately, it's how we kind of had to think in terms with the Sixers with a lot of this stuff because, it, quite frankly, in the NBA, and I, I say this as a guy who covers the NBA regular season, the NBA is just not that important uh correct <laughs> certain nights are and you don't want to be a four or five seed for sure you want to get one of those top three spots but what's going to matter is when it's playoff time when there's a bad matchup for Montres harrell at the five when they're just killing them and pick and roll does doc go to paul reed 
Um, that will be the biggest thing to me. Uh, will he make those adjustments? Because I, I don't through three to me through four games. There's there's some stuff that's coaching. I, I'll, I'll say that like you're knowing that Joel Embiid was dealing with plantar fasciitis was not in game shape for you to kind of force feed him in the first two games seems pretty ill-advised the way they were playing him um, in the Milwaukee home opener, given what they knew about the injury. And he played that third quarter. He played almost the entire third quarter. And it yeah. was the worst quarter I've ever seen in his career. Again, I'm grading him on a scale of a guy who isn't just an all-star. He's a guy that maybe could have showed a, would have won MVP either of the last two seasons. And he just did not look just did not look right. And I don't know what Doc was doing, doubling or tripling down on the fact that he's going to play himself into this game, into everything. And it just seems it's game two of 82. And what really matters is the 16 game season afterwards. Right. What are you doing? No, I, I, I was not a fan of the way he handled that. And, and quite frankly, I and Dave Early wrote about it today for Liberty Ballers. I, I'm going to start worrying about James Harden a little bit. Right. Like that's the next guy. Like. Everyone was worried about Harden. Everyone was worried about Tucker. I'm a little worried about James Harden. He's looked great. I would like to keep him looking great um, by not playing. I uh, In the NBA right now, total minutes, it's Siakam, Van Vliet, and, and Trent Jr., which Nick Nurse is a madman with that, and he always overplays guys, and it shows up in the playoffs to me. But, you know, Nick Nurse is a great coach, so I don't want to detract from him too much. But anyway, those three guys are the top. James Harden's number four. 33-year-old James Harden, who had a hamstring issue that lingered over the course of basically two seasons, is fourth in the league in minutes right now through four games. Don't like that. Don't like that one bit. Um, So I just... And now that you have this deeper bench, this deeper team, lean on them. I I was glad to see... I'll give Doc this. I was glad to see against the Pacers, uh, you know, they they were... they didn't quite put the game away, but they were up, you know, double digits most of the game, which in the NBA, it's really hard to beat teams by 20, even if they're bad. The other team's still playing and competing, um, but they were in control the whole night. By the end of the game, the fourth quarter, when it would have been Tucker's time to come back in, Doc did not go back to him. Tucker winds up playing 20 minutes. Love that. That's what you should do, because you shouldn't have to play P.J. Tucker 40 minutes against the Pacers to win. Quite frankly, you shouldn't need to play James Harden damn near 40 minutes in order to beat the Pacers. So um, I'll give him that, but I, I have concerns. I have concerns about overusing guys. I'm glad that too, he he did say he is going to use Joel and beat a little differently, kind of scale him back a little bit, use him in different, more, more, dare I say, like Brett Brown used them more in those kind of spurts um, to kind of conserve his energy, at least for now until he gets back in game shape. And I think Joel, he talked about post game, you know, being more patient and deferring more to James, more to Tyrese Maxey, more to Tobias Harris, who took 10 threes, by the way, against Pacers. He had not taken 10 threes in a game since his first full season in Philadelphia. So that was a wonderful sight to see. Um, there, there needs to be fewer games as part of the issue in the league, and they sure. won't do it. The The idea I had was... 60-ish. Yeah. Yeah, I said 58 when you play every team twice, and then an additional eight games to go to 66. So you're playing the other two teams, the other four teams in your division, an extra home and away set with all of them. Seems like that simplifies things and you're not losing too much in terms of gate receipts. Yeah. And like, you know, of course, we talk about records and 
all that, but it's almost like a pitcher, like pitcher stats and ba- starting pitching stats in baseball now. Like they're all going to be like no one's topping any of these stats anymore because guys. No, it's ever going to win three hundred once again. It's right. fine, exactly. and everything goes by like scoring title is points per game. Points like, per game. I, don't, I don't think it's exactly. going to matter. People are if, if LeBron averages twenty nine seven and seven. I don't think people care that it only came in sixty six games as Correct. opposed to eighty two games or whatever. Right. Um. So yeah. So we won't have maybe those like total stats numbers won't be as illustrious um but uh who cares <laughs> um so let's conserve our star players enjoy the sport so we can all enjoy the sports we love uh and that's the weird thing that's like the most mind-boggling thing to me is people will be like that ah oh, you know guys are soft yada 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 i want to see guys play um i don't want to see a sandy koufax have to retire before his 30th birthday because he threw so many friggin' innings um you know one of the most brilliant pitchers to ever play baseball but his, you know, kind of total numbers aren't the greatest of all time because he had arm troubles. They're like, there's legend stories about him, like how bad his arm would hurt and stuff and like how, how much bad shape he was in and why he retired. Like, it's sad. Um, And, and there are guys who are just kind of built for it, who their bodies, for whatever reason, can withstand it. And they have long careers, Uh, you know, a, a, a freak like Wilt Chamberlain who played forever and who played forever at a high level. Good for Will Chamberlain. He was able to do that. Joel Embiid can't do it. He had a yeah. he's had injuries. Like the, the guy can't, he's not going to be able to do that. Um LeBron James is just a total freak who's 37 years old and almost won a scoring title. Like there are guys who are freaks who can withstand it, but the average professional athlete, their bodies are it's they're gonna feel it. It's gonna take its toll. And so I am in, totally in favor of shortening um seasons. And I, now I want to move on to the uh, local hockey team who are, listen, coming off and serendipitous timing for the Philadelphia Flyers to have um, a brutal game because as they were playing was when the Philadelphia Phillies were advancing to the World Series. So I'm sure uh, they're quite happy that it happened then. But uh, before that, coming off a big win, um, uh, well, sorry, they're not coming off. They're coming off a win against Nashville. Uh, Florida road trip, they split, which I think you feel great about if you're them. Yeah. Um, beat a pretty good Nashville team. The San Jose game is just a clunker. Uh, now they got three days off and they're going to play again, two, two tougher opponents taking on the Panthers at home um, and Carolina at home. Um, so tougher matchups there. I did see a, Listen, full disclosure, you and I both didn't watch the last game against the Sharks because why would we? Because yeah. we were watching the Phillies. No offense to them. Yeah, it's it's nothing to do with uh, them as a team right now because they are playing very good hockey. Um, but John Tortorella benched Kevin Hayes and Travis Connecting in the third period. I'm like iffy about that kind of thing because um, I remember that was a big deal when Hackstall was still here and he, you know, Connecting was a guy who found himself in the doghouse pretty often and found himself in the press box some nights. Um, Gosses Fair is another one that that happened to fairly, you know, fairly frequently. Um, I guess I like the message, right? Uh, especially yeah. a guy like Hayes, like Hayes is a guy who was, yeah, John Tortorella's here. This is great. And, you know, and, and Kevin Hayes is a veteran guy makes a lot of money. Flyers gave up a lot to get him here. Um, so to see him, ha- you know, get benched for a third period. Uh, I, so I guess my question is just like, how do you like, do, do you like Tortorella kind of sending that message this early in the season that, you know, this won't be tolerated. And I know Tortorella went kind of went in on them about back-to-backs because now two back-to-backs, they've kind of come out very lackluster. Um, do, do you like the message that Tortorella is sending? Uh, 
I think it wears thin too early, right? By February, everyone's going to be sick of this shit, right? <laughs> Possibly. So I worry he's already wearing out his welcome. And it seemed like a a hire that was very too on brand for the Flyers in the sense they're trying to like maximize this roster that really isn't capable of truly contending for a championship and truly contending for the Stanley Cup. And I worry these antics are too old school rah-rah. And I get they have older vets, but they're not necessarily in a position to contend. It just seems like more of what the F are they doing? Yeah. Because it seemed like some rumblings I heard at the training camp, uh, some of the players didn't love it, from what I could say, from what I heard. And I think they might be carrying over. Obviously, they put off a couple wins early. That that looks good for them. But I wonder, you know, is is he going to wear it as welcome earlier than the the franchise expects? I'm conflicted on it because I'm with you. Um, I didn't love the like I, I like account like I like accountability. I think that's sure. a good thing. I think it's a good thing, even though this this team is in this limbo. They do have veterans. They do have players who've been around a lot. And I think accountability for veterans is important. But it's just such a this this team exists in a gray area perpetually it feels like for the last 10 years yeah not too dissimilar to the phillies for that reason that's why i'm conflicted it's i fully understand wanting to like the the culture word gets thrown out a lot but i but i get it i I get the culture things i think that's very real um i I think you can breed a winning and a losing culture i think that is something that can happen yeah um can be overblown i think too at times like there's there's a fine line there because talent ultimately wins um chip kelly uh town what was it culture over scheme but uh the one yeah it was big people beat up, beat up little people well there's that one when, uh but i think he said culture be culture beat scheme or something like that um, yeah he was a good scheme guy he seems like the woe in terms of culture so interesting yeah so the irony um but yeah so from that aspect i get it from tortorella and i think them winning those early games that lets him get maybe perhaps get away with it um yeah. e- even though i'm with you it's it's early in the season to kind of pull that kind of thing but i think the fact that they won and he can look at it and say hey when you guys play this way you see the results we yeah. win hockey games so if you play like this we're gonna win when you don't play like this this is what happens um yeah. you know we come out flat at home we get shut out by the sharks uh so it, I, you can't go to that well too many times i'll say that like like you're right if he does this like if he benches kevin hayes like two more times before you know before february yeah i I could see guys getting a little cranky and being like all right what the hell is this um i will say though too like if the flyers like some of the players complaining part of me says like tough shit like you guys sucked last year like you know what i mean like you 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 needed this kick agree there so like if you're like play if you would have played better you could have got you could have kept elaine vino and kept doing whatever you were doing but you didn't so this is why john this is why the team brought in john tortorella because the team felt like you needed a kick in the ass um so here it is so um from that standpoint but but i certainly get what you're saying like the modern athlete and and i don't mean this in, in a boomer like oh the modern athlete can't handle it but like it's different now. It's not this way. And like, yeah, you know, you, you don't need a guy screaming in your face every five minutes to motivate you. Like these are grown men. They, they get paid a lot of money. They, they can motivate themselves. And if Correct. they can't motivate themselves, there's a much bigger problem here. Yes. But, um, 
I'm going to wrap it up with this. I, I want just to get back to the Phillies for a second. Your prediction, Phillies Astros. What do you got? Phillies in five. Phillies in five. Let's go. Phillies in five. Lose game two in Houston. Okay. So you're thinking split. You're thinking win game one, lose game two, and then don't lose again. It's a good formula this postseason. Yeah, it's where it has straight from it. Last time the Phillies won the World Series, that was the formula. Let's let's just keep rolling with those vibes. Yeah. I mean, listen, if they, if I almost feel like they have to win in five, as weird as that is. Yeah, that's a good take. I like that. Yeah. I almost feel like they have to win in five. Yeah. Because not that I don't trust, um, I, I, uh, forgive me, but, there, there's been no rotation announcements of any kind, correct? We don't, we have no idea who's going to start game no, one right now. Uh, it seems like it's going to be Aaron Nola, right? Um, and then, and then there's issues there where Wheeler wouldn't be available for game seven. And I, I do like the aspect. I, there's a give and take. Yeah. I like having Wheeler go game two, extra day of rest. His velocity has been dropping off a lot yeah. in the fifth and sixth inning of the postseason because he's not pitching on full rest. So I like that, but I'm worried about the back end in game six and seven and what happens there. If you're not able to use Zach Wheeler in those two or die situations. Yeah. I would say a couple Got things. Got a one in five. Got a one in five. I like I, that. I trust everything Rob Thompson has done. And if he thinks that's the right move and I like the idea of, yeah, like maybe you're not starting Wheeler game seven, but you're, you're probably starting Rangers Suarez. And, and then Wheeler's yeah, probably giving you pitching the fifth through seventh inning or whatever, exactly. right? You empty the tank. Aaron yeah. Nola, you pitch Aaron Nola, you pitch Zach Wheeler, you do what you got to do. Um, you know, Dominguez, you, you extend Alvarado. There's no tomorrow at that point. So everything's on the table. So I, I kind of like the idea. If, you, if you're going to go bullpen game, why not make it a game where you, 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 you know what I mean? Like you have to use all your bullets because there's no, you know, don't be a, don't be the San Diego Padres and have the most dominant reliever of baseball over the last five years not throw a, a yeah. Let's fucking let's save him, let's <laughs> save him for the ninth inning. You have to have a ninth inning before you can save a guy uh, for the ninth inning. Bob Melvin, Bob Bozo, thank you, Topper. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Uh, recapping, recapping World Series games. There is. I'm be- going on Tuesday, so we oh, will have so to jealous. maybe start a little bit early. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Just don't, you know, um, I mean, listen, if you want to pregame a little bit on the podcast, I have no issue with that. I'll share, you know, I'll, we can share a virtual beer. Um, I've been, I've been known to drink a couple of beers before a Phillies game. Yeah. Never in my life. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird thing. Um, but anyway, um, we'll be back next Tuesday in some capacity. Maybe we'll both be hammered. Um, no, we won't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Bosses. Um, but we will be Evan uh, Macy. Don't, don't listen to this. <laughs> we will be recapping some Phillies baseball games, recapping Eagles, hopefully some Sixers wins and some Flyers wins uh, next Tuesday. I am Paul Hudrick for Seamus Clancy. This has been the Thirsty Dogs Strength Faster podcast. Please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time.